Welcome to the Ali Maz Show, where we focus on human being and spiritual living with a deep inclination for the divine. Together, we delve into the seen and the unseen. We explore what it means to be well and whole from the inside out. Over the last 17 years, I've been focused on how movement, breath, and the power of the mind can liberate us from the template of our conditioning and carve a path to live a truly authentic life. My hope is that my guests will inspire and expand you to continue to choose the life that is yours. Welcome to the Ali Maz Show. Today's guest is Sarah Blondin. Sarah is a writer, meditator, visual artist who focuses most on matters of the heart. Sarah is the creator of the Live Awake podcast and the author of the book, Heart Minded. She currently resides in British Columbia, Canada with her husband and her two sons. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me, Alex. It's so nice to see you. It's funny because we're trying to pretend we're like really grown up and professional. (laughs) And we've known each other for since what? I was, you were 20. Two, two, 23, and maybe I was, what, 24, 25 or something. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I don't know. It's a bigger difference than that. But yeah. And we were, <laughs> I just, we haven't seen each other and talked in a long time, but we, we do communicate and we are, um, you know, we just did a little catch up before I pressed record, but I wanted to talk first about the genesis of our friendship because I think it's, mm. it's a big piece of who I am actually. And, um, a big part of the woman I am because there was this time you and I shared that was like this little incubator actually I think for a lot of our dreams and you certainly inspired me to really commit to my writing practice Mm. um, and almost like have this quiet sort of spiritual life and connection to nature in a way that hadn't been modeled for me before Mm. and yeah, so let's let's talk about it. It's two thousand and I don't know something. <laughs> Nelson the Seagull Cafe in Vancouver, British Columbia. We both don't know who we are, but you, I feel like you were far ahead of me as far as um following what would I like what 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 I saw or felt was like an actual authentic um, spiritual direction. Um, so you were likewise such an example for me as far as um bravery and stretching and ambition um and just risk really um and you were so young and we were both so young but i i'm still so much older than you but in that stage of my life there was this um yeah you were really modeling to me that sort of um hey jump follow this whisper and go. And I hadn't yet found what I feel I have found now since years of, you know, moving out of the city and having children of my own. You had already started working on that at that age. So it was pretty, pretty beautiful to witness um, and a really great example for me as well. Yeah, I think we really did help each other in a lot of ways that I've only like understood in retrospect, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, you were a really important friend to me in that time. So mm-hmm. I don't know what would have happened had we not met. Yeah. I don't know. It was in the, it was, it was meant to be, but I do remember it was, I, we had known each other for a couple of years and then I was about to start the studio, the district. And I remember you were over one night and you were like, do you know how to 
do this? And I was like, no. <laughs> and you're like, let's call Derek. And we called your husband and he like asked me oh all these God, questions. I don't remember any of this. And they were great questions because I really, we were just putting together a business plan. But so much of my life has always been this, like, I'm really, I don't know. I love risk, I guess. I love mm -hmm. change. I have always followed my heart and um, even maybe times before I thought I was ready and then kind of like let everything catch up to me. But um you know, we used to go to Galliano Island. There was a few times that we had spent and, you know, we would like to sit and do our journal in the morning. And you introduced me to this book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, oh, which right. um, was such a, a huge part of my life. And there was this connection to nature and to sort of this divine feminine. You were, you were and still are this really vibrant character um, with this depth. And I, I didn't know how to be both I thought I had to be one or the other I was like mm. I have to be really serious and really deep if people are going to believe me yes. on a spiritual path <laughs> um, but you operated with like such lightness too and, and laughter and I certainly like you know laughed very hard in your presence and I don't know almost like this like little girls together like sleepover totally. and like I was scared that. of ghosts like how many times did I come into your room being like Alex <laughs> I think there's spirits in the other room <laughs> yes and which also makes me think like you are so sensitive and yeah. I'm so sensitive yeah. and you really saw mm -hmm. that in me and um and and didn't see it as a bad thing you mm -hmm. know I think my whole life I uh, had been told and I know similar to you that you know my sensitivity was a weakness and that I had to grow tougher and thicker skin um and I really understand now that my sensitivity and the, the receptivity to life and the way I can feel and understand my heart is my superpower. Um, and then watching you just bring that message into the world on such a profound global scale and in, in the last however many years it's been, it's been so cool. So I wanted to have you on the podcast selfishly to just be with you and see you. Um, but I wanted to just... I wanted people to know what that journey has been like. So maybe let's start there. You get pregnant and you leave Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Pregnancy was, you know, touching on the sensitivity thing again. I think pregnancy brings your sensitivity to like a heightened state of what I felt was like a non-negotiable kind of, I had been toying and playing with the idea of moving to the city with Derek for, I mean, out of the city with Derek for years and years and years. And there's nothing like getting pregnant to really um, force you out, or at least that's what my child chose to do. Um, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't walk downtown anymore. I felt the sounds, the smells, everything was just like uh, an abuse to me in many ways. Um, and we just quickly sold our place and I was like, Hey, it's my last dinner. Come. And we were like, Oh no, it's over. You know, it was just a very abrupt ending to a pretty major chapter in my life where I was living in Vancouver, trying to be an actress, figuring out what and who I was. And then I just catapulted myself into motherhood and what felt like, you know, um, complete solitude. Um, so that in itself was such a huge transformation that, um, it's really hard to explain because, um, for everyone, you know, you can have such a different experience when you, you, you separate yourself from your structures and your comfortable areas. And for me, it was, um, 
extremely traumatizing in many ways in that I had no idea how to be with myself in, in the quiet. I had no idea. And I thought I did, but there's nothing like actual tumbleweed and nothingness to uh, expose how vulnerable you feel ultimately. So it was like walking into uh, the truth of who I was that I had never dared to actually feel or see. So it was almost as if I had to face um, the human frailty. And, um, and then in that sense of frailty and vulnerability, I had to find what was holding me inside of that and what continues to hold me inside of that, which is, you know, the mystery and uh, what I've come to feel as my definition of God and divinity. Um, so moving to the country was like a major excavation of truth for me. Um, but that's all pretty and, you know, nice to say now, now that I'm out of the jaw of that experience, but um, it was frightening. It was um, isolating. It was revelatory. It was, it was all of the things for a very long time. And I remember at one point after I'd give, you know, so on top of moving to the country, I give birth to a child, you know, <laughs> alone, essentially, you know, with your husband. So I just remember being in the shower and, you know, really learning to pray, really learning to uh, say what was happening for myself alone to myself. Um, it was like threading these two worlds together um, that I hadn't hadn't learned yet. And that's when my writing practice became, you know, non-negotiable because without it, I think I would not have survived it very well um, or survived it at all um, because you're dismantling who you think you are and life is showing you who you really are. So it's not really something you're in charge of anymore. It's um, something doing you and unfolding you and you just have to find ways to hold on and lean toward a higher conversation with these intense feelings. So um, that's when the writing practice really became, you know, something I had to do instead of something I kind of did and was cute. You know, it was like, no, this is my only way to live. Thank God I had that. Thank God I had a hand extended to me. And, you know, I just feel so much compassion for people that have no practice when they're thrown into experiences like that, because grace, um, I don't know how else grace finds people without a conversation being had. So my writing practice really became the conversation that I started to have with the divine. And, and then, out of, you know, the grace of, of, of uh, the collaborative nature of life, I had a conversation with my deepest, darkest experiences and, and found or was given what I consider to be now my most authentic expression. And I had no, no way to anticipate or predict that happening. It was completely um, organic and not of my you know, I was part of it, but I wasn't. And I, I acted on my discomfort and talked to my discomfort. But other than that, the way it came out and the way the creative act 
came, it was like it wove all of these things in my being that I hadn't realized were gifts, um, which was my connection to poetry and how I saw the world and how I've been studying language for my whole life. And all these mysteries kind of collided into this tapestry that is what you hear as Live Awake. And I put it into the world with zero, zero wish for anything other than my own survival and my own connection and my own need to create out of this pain of being a mother and being isolated. And, and then the world did the rest. And that in itself was extremely, uh, and continues to be something that's really hard for me. Um, just because it's like, okay, well use me, but shit, you know, (laughs) I'm scared of what you're doing and, and, and what level you're exposing me. Um, but that is the real dance of creation is this, like, I give you my everything, do what you wish. And that can be a great gift or that can be a huge annihilation or, you know, whatever it is, but, um, it continues to be out of my hands in a way. Um, and I'm, I'm perpetually surprised by how it's evolved. Mm. Yeah. And the response has been so huge. And mm-hmm. if anyone has listened to Sarah, it's like, even just listening to what you just said, it's like the words cut so deep and there's such a deep resonance to it. Mm-hmm. And you feel like when you hear <clears throat> your meditations or you listen to your words or you read your poetry, it's like uh, the ability for you to articulate um, your own suffering, your own pain, your own disillusion, your own disconnection and walk yourself back home within Mm -hmm. it. And, and, uh, you know, I think I heard you say like, turn the lights on in in your heart again. Um, it's like this language, it's English, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's this language, um, that's heart language and it's so moving. And I'm, I'm curious, like the, when the response started coming in, when people started listening to it and emailing you and sending things, it's one thing to create, it's another thing to put it out there. And then it's another thing to receive. What, what did that feel like for you when the response started to roll in? I remember when the response started to roll in and I went into like a state of what felt like the most intense panic and anxiety that I've ever experienced. But it was a peculiar feeling because there was the polarities of like, wow, yay, I'm excited. But there was also this hell of being so exposed and so vulnerable. And um, so it was, and again, I think I was having, I don't know, I had moved again to what is now the land we live on. Um, So... I was, again, spit into this new environment and having this huge, you know, people were saying crazy things like, this is the voice of God finally here to help us. You know, it was like, not like, it was like, oh, thanks. It was like really loaded. (laughs) And I was like, this poem. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It was like, whoa, okay. I don't really want these titles. Um, So it was a a huge... uh, cocktail of things but once I learned you know there's just so many layers of needing to regulate inside of expansion and exposure you just have to keep the thing that I've been uncomfortable with is is how you have to do it so publicly um and I have to continue to fumble and 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 under this like illusion that I need to be perfect at it Mm -hmm. um so um this has been and continues to be a huge learning curve for me 
that's done out in the open in front of all these people. So it's not easy. My God, it's not. But if anything, it's taught me to just deepen and deepen and deepen and deepen and deepen. And then you just show up wobbling legs and all and figure, try to figure it out. I, I don't know how to trust it yet. Um, mm. And the evolution keeps happening and I, and I find myself blocking it and saying no. Um, so there's that happening as well as I continue to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, I felt it a little in the process of writing a book, yes. not even in writing it. It was once the book was out, I was like, no one ever talked to me about this book <laughs> I'm ever again. Me too. I, I, I was like, I don't, I was so uncomfortable with the book being in the world. It's mm-hmm. taken me, um, you know, only I would say in the last six months, <laughs> am I like proud of it? Not that I was never not proud, but there is something so raw about that experience. Um, what it meant to me, Girl Vanna's my life's work. I don't know, crystallizing it in that way. I was like, no one ever addressed this in my presence I know. again. I still don't talk about my book. Isn't it so interesting? Because you know that that book is having such a deep ripple effect. I, you know, and and I feel similar with my book. But it's like, what what is that? <laughs> I think what it is for me is that I'm so aware of how I want to use the word primitive. Um, my contributions will always be in some way. They're always just going to be this pale kind of insipid version to what I feel inside. Like it's like fumbling around for words for the ineffable. And, and some part of me is so ashamed of my first effort, you know, and I'm just like, that's not what I actually meant to say. And like, so much of it is like, there's the editor, there's the publishing house, there's, there's all these, these, parts that come into play and then and then you're left wondering if that was actually what you wanted to say or what you wanted to contribute you know it just goes through this incredible process that I find um really refines or I I think the whole point of it is to refine your alignment with your own self and your own voice no matter what's happening but I remember reading a review from a girl and she said you know the one review that you remember on we're supposed to read anyways (laughs) yeah I don't know how I saw it but I saw it but she said I wish I read your first draft before the editors got it and I was like but it hit so deep because my first draft was so different than what came out Hmm. and not to spite my editor or anything like that, but because of the creative process when you're involving other people. But I was like, you're right. It was a totally different book. And um, I listened to the voices, you know, after I gave my book in, it was like, she's like, this sounds like it's for a really depressed reader. And we don't want that. And I was like, well, that's kind of how I see it. (laughs) It's kind of like, I'm, I see, I see it humanity in this way yeah um I need to say it yeah. but I had to soften the edges a lot and I had to change a lot of things so yeah I'm with you um mm. in wanting to hide that part but I mean at the same time as you know I continue to evolve in my creative process and take risks and and not give what I know will make people happy yeah um you know that's what I'm constantly facing day to day it's like I can give you a meditation that will not bother you Um, and I can be the sound that soothes you to sleep, but I can't agree to that in my own being. Um, but in order to actually live that, I have to be willing to 
um, encounter people's upset. And I just had that experience. I just let out a new course on Insight Timer and I used my son's voice, Hugo's voice, because my whole intention was to reconnect people with innocence. Um, And I think that's like so far down under the crust for so many of us that only the voice of the child can bring you there. But it was like received with this outrageous, um, outrageousness, outrage in some people like throwing phones across room comments. Like it was just so, so revelatory for me. And I'm like, okay, so this is what it looks like to take a creative risk. Cause I intuited it. I was like, mm, this is going to hit or not, <laughs> mm. but I'm going to do it anyway. Because if I was to continue to be uh, a creative person that just soothed you, um, I would be dying inside. So I knew it would challenge people, but in, there's another thing to receive, to receive mm-hmm. the comments. Um, and as your, your, your reach gets bigger and bigger, you're, you're exposed to more and more of, of the entire human consciousness. So yeah. it's pretty intense. It's not like cute. It's really <laughs> intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I applaud you for that because I think on so there is you have a beautiful voice and the words are so beautiful and I think it's so cute right it's so so cute and on some level people are like do the thing I like that you do Mm -hmm. and keep going and um you know the work of a teacher is to challenge and is to put a mirror up and is to um you know not just feed you sugar (laughs) you know we need the medicine too and that's what the words are they're medicine um -hmm. for people but um, and working with companies or partnerships, and I've certainly seen this in my career of like, just serve them the thing that they want. This is what makes the money. Um, and I did that. I have, have done that. And I know the cost of that now so intimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the reason why I chose to go back to doing everything I wanted to do on my own again. Uh, and the payoff of, of creating one's own work from the place, from the center versus I know I can be a one trick pony and give everyone mm-hmm. a 20 minute yoga flow on YouTube with Lululemon, you know, but that's not who I am anymore. Um, I have no business teaching like that anymore. <laughs> I have well, to evolve. But you're going to constant, like, at least for me, speaking from my own experience, I'm constantly given that I'm facing that option and I'm yeah. constantly like, keep, keep on the leading edge of yourself. Yeah but to encounter, you know, like I sometimes look at some of the biggest leaders of the world and I'm like, I can't believe you're still standing because I'm like, you, you know, you get these insults hurled at you and I'm like, I, I just want to collapse and withdraw entirely, you know? And, but then I had this incredible thing happen where um, I have my sub stack in place. So it's this, this very deliberate act that I made to um, continue uh, leaning on that edge of like, not showing up every day, you know, it's every day, every day. <laughs> like, you don't get out of this. But so I put the sub stack in place to kind of create that container for me to like, keep pushing, keep pushing, baby. And I, you know, get, I think that course went out to 80,000 people in a day, right? So I get this tsunami of comments, some epiphanies, mostly horrible. (laughs) And and, uh, at least that's in my mind. Um, And then I I still go and sit in front of my laptop and I still just write. 
And then I saw so clearly that it, it's just a stream. And depending on the hour, the minute of the day, it's hateful or kind and hateful or kind or loving and kind. And the only thing left is me in a room still trying. <laughs> so it's like the stream's going, but I'm still trying. And then I felt this glow of like, <gasps> I'm sad, I'm scared, I'm, I'm hurt but I'm resilient and I'm growing and I don't care. And, and, and then I was like, wow, that's it. This is, and that's what I've seen so much with success as well as you, you see this growing ego and you see this, this part of you inflating and you're like, wow, because it's beautiful. It's life force. It's vital. It's so beautiful. Um, but then it just like this, this other hand comes down and it's like, it's still you alone in a room sitting with truth. And if you go up on this zephyr of ego, it's, it's not the point. So it's always just this very quiet, humble, staying close to God. And that's it. And, and, and in order to be successful in the world, you have to find a way to drop down inside always, 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 because it's never about the success or the global reach. It's always about you just living as close to you as you can every day and never forgetting that. Yeah. Thank you for that. I needed to hear that. <laughs> well, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I love that. I mean, I, we were talking before we started recording. I live in Los Angeles. I'm sort of at the quote unquote epicenter of, of wellness and yeah. meditation and yoga. And, you know, I see a lot of false prophets in this world and, um, or people feeling like they need to live in a big city to do the thing that they mm -hmm. need to do and be in the community and make it. And I love that you are, you know, you're in the country mm -hmm. um, with your family, you and your laptop creating your work and, and not really having to be out in the world in the same way that um, certainly I thought uh, I had to be, or I think a lot of people that want to have an impact on the world feel like they need to be. Can you speak to that piece of it, of, of, of being a teacher, being a meditator, putting your content out, but not ne necessarily feeling like you need to go travel to every festival or every speaking mm. engagement. Mm. Um, a part of me wanted to say, yeah, I continue to do like very few podcasts and I don't accept many invitations um, because I see that that, to be honest, it's because I encounter that inflated sense of self that I, I don't like her very much. Um, and there's some work there for me to do. Um, but I feel her kind of take over my body. And in some way, she feels very much like a betrayal to my heart and my work. So I have not learned how to walk in the world yet without this part taking over. Mm. So my remedy <laughs> is to just not go. Um, I don't know if that's the right answer yet. Um, but so much of, you know, doing podcast interviews and kind of working on this engine of like exposure feels, um, I could be writing, I could be doing my work, I could be perfecting myself more and more. But th 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 then again, the paradox is here because this is medicine. I'm left off feeling fulfilled and full of medicine. So Again, I'm just learning everything. Um, but um, I would say for me, if I don't have solitude and connection to nature, my heart is not, can't be heard. 
So, um, so much of my transformation and my connection to my authentic voice came from actually being forced to sit in the quiet. And now, you know, people come to my house and they visit and they're like, are you going crazy? You know, you see everybody's issue with silence, with peace, with a forest. How could you just have a forest? And I'm like, uh, what? Like, (laughs) if I didn't, you know, I did this death practice with, um, Alua Arthur, and she gets you to to put your favorite, you know, most important things of your life on these 15 cards, and you, you basically start throwing the cards away as you're dying. It's a really beautiful process. But my last card was the forest, even like my husband and kids went before the forest. So for me, it's like, that's where I find God uh, in its most unsullied form and untraumatic, untriggering form. Um, but I see for so many, it's a really big challenge for them to come into um, this place. But a lot of the poets that I admire the most, like David White, and, you know, his life depends on, and his art depends on going into the solitude. So, I mean, now we don't have to go into the world in big ways. We can do it virtually. But I find my being longing now a little bit to try the human thing, to try the face-to-face thing that you do so well. Um, and you do so fearlessly, you know, you show up with people and um, in the mud of whatever you encounter and whatever you trigger in people. And that's so admirable because so much of humanity and so much of my art has come from trying to heal the trauma that I feel around other people. Um, So to go into people and the world takes a certain type of courage um, that I'm kind of a little more curious about now as I get my feet inside um, what has happened uh, with my art. Mm. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe I try it. So I do little things here and there, but I only accept things that feel like a unicorn. (laughs) You know, (laughs) trying to be conscious of my impact on the planet. and um, Yeah. So, but it's a work in progress. Yeah, totally. It's, um, and being with people as a sensitive human is a lot. Like when I come home from those experiences, I like have a nervous breakdown and then need to like hole up for a while and not, and just, I can't function. You know, I've gotten so much better at it. I think when, you know, we were in the same city, I was like running around like a wild woman all over town teaching all these classes and retreats and now um I think I've struck an, a balance that works for me because I do mm-hmm. really love being in the world but I really love pulling pulling back mm-hmm. and um having my time and you know my husband and I are moving now and making this big move to go be in nature and go be in the jungle where we feel most called and um that just feels so exciting and I there's a question that's sort of perking up for me around around relationship and I remember the way you explained, um, Derek, at some point to me, I had um, when I met Bill, my husband, I thought, oh, this is what Sarah was talking about. Mm. And you said something to the effect of like people like you and me, because <laughs> we are very similar, yeah. need <laughs> need like this uh, a steady rock. Like you were mm. like, there's nothing I can throw at this man, and he is unwavering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Derek, and I know that to be true. And when I met Bill, I thought. Oh, here it is. Mm. And we've been together for seven and a half years now. And um, 
it is true. There is nothing that I throw at him <laughs> or mm. any type of anything um, that shakes him. Uh, he's so firmly rooted. Uh, and that changed the direction, the course of my life. It was like this counterpart, this balance and not saying like everyone needs a partner to complete them. It's not that, but there was something within the balance or the polarity of the energies, um, that changed my life for the better. And, um, so thank you for that because that was like the seed that was planted. Mm, um, yeah, like, what the, are you looking for? <laughs> yeah, I was like the archetype for me yeah, was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. that, um, in sort of this Buddha like nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm curious if, if you can sort of speak to that or, or the, as you've even evolved and done your work, like the steadiness of, of uh, a man like that. Oh man. oh man. I feel so lucky to have found him. I feel like that was like, so much uh, destiny involved in that. Um, but mostly because um, when someone is so much like the earth's quality, like the root quality, the tree quality, like they're very, um, they do exist in the world, right? These people are like, because I'm constantly like, is this real? Like, how could you be this way, really? And it's so real. It's so genuine. It's so he's so deeply rooted in his body in a way that I have, that is so foreign to me. Um, and yet so hypnotizing. And I'm like, you have some sort of medicine, uh, and wisdom that my body really needs. And it's in the union of our marriage that, you know, we're teaching each other that. And I have a type of medicine that he really needs. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> we'll ask him. We'll, we'll ask Derek. <laughs> what he feels like I'm having him. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just feel so, so lucky. But, you know, at the beginning, at the onset of, you know, deciding to marry him, you know, a part of me was like, well, I need the highly emotional, uh, you know, expressive love. I need that too. And it was like, well, he's not that he's, he's the stoic in the, in the corner that can hold me. But um, so I was, you know, you're, you, you can get kind of caught up in this well, what, he doesn't have this now or he has, you know, but as our relationship has grown, um, he's taught me so much in, he's made it so safe for me to be all of myself. And I don't think I've ever had a human in my life that's done that well. Um, my parents, definitely not. Um, so it's so beautiful to say, here is me. And he just gently, you know, well, you know, I just was going through it the other day. Chris, Christmas was next level this year with family. Um, and I'm lying on the bed and I'm like, I feel like I'm in a pressure cooker <laughs> and I can't get out. And I'm like, and I have so many feelings in my body. And he just like, you know, pushes my hair back and massages my head and just so deeply says, let go. And that's it. And there, it's not complicated. It's not, it's not, you know, I'm not going to a sermon. He's just so rooted in let go. And I'm so rooted in feel and, and be expressive. So we're both, we both need each other in so many ways. And, but then I was like, said to him, I'm like, I just want you to be a little more like, you know, expressive and like help your kids more openly and he's like and I just want you to be a little more grounded and quiet and and you know he was like don't ask me to be you and I won't ask <laughs> you to be me and I was like exactly. heard thank yeah. you 
Thank but, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably didn't need one. You're right. Yeah. yeah. This sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the simplicity too. And I think that's often what I, I, I love uh, and appreciate and have so much reverence for the masculine is that it, it in, in, in its linearness, sometimes it is the, the knife that just cuts through and it's like, oh, okay, I've been spinning. Spinning. That, and that's what you see. And that's what you see in their, in their, in their company. And I love that. But it, it's not like one of them is right or wrong. They're just like so perfectly designed to yeah. accompany one another. Yeah. And you're raising boys, two yeah. beautiful boys. What is what is the experience of being a boy mom and and as they develop and come into themselves? Mm-hmm. What is it like? I don't know what it's like to be a girl mom, but um, I've loved boys my whole life. Like I know. No. <laughs> I love boys physically and I love boys um, when I was younger. I just like, I was, I gravitated before, like by, to boyfriends and um, it wasn't, I wasn't a girl's girl in any way. I dressed as a boy for most of my life. Um, my husband jokes as I've gotten older, he's like, you're just dressing more and more like an elegant old man. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, so I think I, I love, I love the masculine with the feminine though. Like, yeah. I don't know. So I love that I got boys actually. And I sometimes wish that I had a third just to be uh, surrounded by um, that boy energy. And I think the reason I really love the boy energy is because um, what I'm learning about boy energy is they are no, they are so sensitive and it, it makes like a huge amount of compassion for toxic masculinity and just how we've ended up this way and to be able to nurse these lives in a way that doesn't have that even though they pick it up at school even though they come home and they're like I shouldn't cry and blah all this stuff that I'm like horrified by I'm like where's it coming in how's it coming in where's I can't patch the hole you know I can't patch the hole from these universally adopted you know, paradigms around men and boys. And I just, um, I love bringing them into their hearts. They're already so there, but I love knowing that I may be doing something to help change the next generation, even if just a drop in the bucket. Um, But it's pretty revealing to see. And I have nieces and I see them like, doing this judgmental catty thing to their friends and like emotionally reactive. And then the boys learning this, like, and I'm like, Whoa, it's still here. It's still, it's still here. It's in every movie, every book, every show. So we got, we got big jobs. Yeah. It's interesting this year at girl Vana because I took a little hiatus and then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to relate to Gen Z, yeah, to yeah, teen yeah. girls. Like, I'm old now. Who wants <laughs> to hear what I have to say? And I was just so struck by, um, it's all the same, this universal experience of, of girlhood or, or boyhood. And yeah, the world is certainly changing. I mean, we didn't look at the world in that same sort of with climate change and political um 
you know, these kids are so hyper political and are so mm-hmm. on, you know, that just have so much information, but there is this universal experience of conditioning of, of, of what it means to be a girl or a woman in the world that still needs to be sort of deprogrammed and combed through. And, oh, you know, the inheriting of, of the low self-esteem and the not enoughness. And, and I see it in our boys too, you know, the, mm-hmm. um, the way that they are not, allowed to feel certain things or even with my husband it's he's in a men's group here in LA which is so beautiful for Mm. men to be together and just be in conversation because you know with women we can go on a hike or do a thing and it's like two hours of therapy yeah yeah. Yeah. and men don't have that same opportunity um and it's it's I used to think well it's because they don't want it but it's not I I see a deep desire in, in men and boys to connect actually um in the same way we just haven't provided enough spaces for them to do that. Yeah. Well, and they're like, you go first, you know? <laughs> so it's like, who's going to go first? And they're both like, I don't know. Like I, yeah. I cry sometimes. And the guy's like, yeah, me too. Like, yeah. it's like, it's a game of chicken, you know, with men, which I find so fascinating. I mean, I don't operate in that way in any way, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, this work will always be here. And like, I don't know, we're always just going to be looking back, seeing again, this word primitive. Um, but it's really like incredible, incredible work and incredibly uh, painful work as well, because I have to get to the place where I, and every parent has got to get to this place where they said like, you're, you got to do you. And no matter what I say, um, you'll still have to live through this Mm. and come on the other side, um, hopefully. So it's, it's a real big, uh, I feel like it's painful a lot of the time because they can't even identify it. It's like looking at these little beings, just so sponges, so susceptible to everything. And you try and say like, look over here. And they're like, I can't. And you're like, damn, damn it. (laughs) Like I I can give you easy buttons for all of this. And, and they're like, I still, I have to live mom. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. And then what does the the let go look like as a parent? Right. I just can't no, imagine the don't. level of surrender. Yeah. Well, cause your body can't let go. So, yeah. you know, your cells are so intertwined with theirs. It's just a, a real big, uh, <laughs> painful thing. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does, um, you know, how do the boys impact, uh, your work right now, like oh the, the thing, like I'm so, sure it's everything, but the yeah. things you write about or the, well, the like why. The birth of my first son was the birth of my authentic boys. It wasn't like they're so interconnected. It's insanity. Um, like I don't, if I would have not become a mother, I don't know what would have happened. I don't think it would be anywhere near to uh, as potent as it is. Um. Because, you know, there's these, there's very few experiences in life that are like, hey, you have to live like this close to life, like, and that's giving birth. And that's, you know, those are like, you go through a portal where you're like, (laughs) I'm not in control at all. And, and I have to just hunker down and breathe and let go and let go and let go. And that's, you know, like, that's just like life. Um, So having that experience was like, what birthed everything for me um but I feel this grasping because their innocence is where the real magic has been for me is just to witness um the level of purity we come in with um the level of availability we have the level of love we have access to 
um, has been so illuminating. I've been like, wow, it is so miraculous. And I have this grasping, like, so now they're moving into like, you know, preteen baloney and, <laughs> and I'm like, I keep checking Hugo's little arm dimples, like, so he, if he still has the fat in his elbow and I'm like, is it gone? Oh no, <laughs> because you watch it leaving and that's where the grief really, mm. really hits. And that's what I think I touched in for a lot of people with this course was like, that's the original wound. That's where we left in the home. We were always trying to get back to you. And that's where we have been so hurt. And I, I watch them, you know, I think about every parent when every child, most children are born my wish for most children is that most of their parents most all parents kind of huddled around these little flames saying like if I died for this I know I'd be dying for truth this is the truth this is your purity your essence is the magnet of all life it's what makes life possible it's what these little kids that we try and protect come in with and um, to watch it being harmed and to watch it changing under the lens of whatever they have to go through um, is a hugely um, tender and ultimately um, bringing me closer and closer to understanding life and that it's a process that we have to go through. And But I, now my work is really focused on getting us back there. Because as I get older, I'm seeing that that is actually what happens if you live really close to your heart, is you actually start to erode a lot of those things again. And you get to see who you were to begin with as a gift, actually. Because when you're little, you're unconscious of it. And then you go through this pile on. And, and if you're lucky, you get to chip some of that off again and feel your original essence again. So, I mean just watching them has brought me all the way back to that place and inspired pretty much everything, everything I do. There's no, my kids are in everything. Yeah. So you would highly recommend being <laughs> Every time I talk to Sarah, she's like, are you pregnant? Are you having uh, a baby? There's a baby in there. I mean, no pressure, obviously. Um, no, I think it's amazing. I think, I think you can use it. Yeah. A lot of people don't use their experiences and what I mean by that is I think they don't, they're like, oh, can't wait till it's over. Or like, you know, I have a lot of moms that are like, oh, I can't wait till they're out, you know? And I'm like, what? Oh my God. Why are you not living close to this? Yeah. yeah. The, narr the narrative around motherhood has been really interesting because I'm such an observer and I've been watching for, since I have felt ready looking yeah. for years at, at examples yeah. that inspire me um around motherhood and I have to say there's not so so many mm. mostly because I see this um, um uh, this sort of break in in relationship and deep resentment with their partner or this um really deep aloneness and in sort of what you're speaking to you are able to alchemize it and, and create from it but I see a lot of women sort of get stuck in this place and um uh, and sort of give up this old identity, but be so still attached to it. And I think I resonated with that because I have felt so driven in my life and my career. Yeah. And I sort of saw women, oh, you give it up or you sacrifice. Yeah. And, and there's, there's not enough women um, speaking about what you're speaking to is then the new birth, you have been birthed now, uh, along with this child and, and this next sort of phase 
I don't hear enough people speaking to um, how the glory of that and how profound that it just takes so much work yeah to find that and I think that's a lot of work you know intimacy is the hardest thing nobody knows a lot of people struggle they don't know what intimacy means they don't know what it means to um feel yourself falling apart and and reaching for something else like it's like again that's touching on what you said about the language it's like groping in the dark for words for something you can't understand so most of us just disassociate instead and just wish for it to be over because it pushes on so many places and that's what you know that's the real challenge of motherhood is like you know I'm not going to say have a kid it's awesome because I went through hell but I used every single hell and what I mean by used is I used every single feeling of hell and I went to the very bottom of it without you know no no I'm not I'm going to sit down with this and I am going to talk with it. And, and it's relentless work. Um, so the relentless nature of things is what you're signing up for in motherhood. And you can use it as a spiritual practice to keep finding. Oh man, now that I think of the beginning, how much rage, how much stuff you have to go through all your feelings you're feeling now, like my ambition, you know, I struggle with it all the time. Like it's just assumed I take care of the kids if they're home from school. It's not Derek, you know, and I'm the breadwinner at this point. So it's kind of like, wow, all these things are, you know, the rage of a million sons and women. Um, But I don't, you know, that's just like knee jerk shit can we talk about rage for a moment? Because yes, I, I <laughs> let's talk about rage. I walked through uh, some deep, deep rage uh, mm. in the spring around um, just sort of actually grappling with um, the way I felt about how I'd been treated at a certain job. And then it was like, compounded when I really met it it was like oh it's actually patriarchy it's the oppression of women it's the oppression of all women it's the and I kind of got to this root of this deep rage Mm. and I'm the keeper of many many stories right through the work that I do and particularly with young women um Mm. horrific stories and um and as well as women and I have a lot of practices in my life that allow me to process and move through them. A lot of teachers and healers and nature and dance and movement. And, um, Mm. but still it was like this hot, hot rage within me. And it was showing up in my relationship and showing up with Bill where I was like, don't touch me, like get away from me. You're the devil. Yeah. Yeah. And this poor man was like, but I I I don't know if you're mad at me. (laughs) And I'm like, me all the time. Am I associated with this? And I'm like, He's like, it feels like it. I'm like, wow, you're kind of part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, and grappling with that and trying to discern, like, I'm not mad at you, but I'm mad at something. Mm. Um, and it's it's lighting me on fire. Mm. And um, it, it was really powerful for our relationship in the way that he was so patient and sort of allowed me yes. to walk uh, through this and sort of be like, what do you need today, tonight? you know, do you need a hug? Do you want no touch? You know, um, and, and 
I realized how angry I was and I don't think I, or I do think it was the first time in my life where I really allowed myself to be angry, um, Mm -hmm. angry for my own experience, but angry for all the, all of the young women's experiences and, um, and really processing it. And it's been beautiful and I feel way less angry now, Mm -hmm. which is nice, but the sacred rage of, of women. Um, and then I realized how many women in my life had no, had never encountered their rage, not even touched the skim the surface of 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 what it felt like to scream out you know and um i feel really grateful to have to know it now mm-hmm. um and i'm and i know and i hear it a lot for women and, and new mothers that level of rage what what do we do with that rage mm. <laughs> what did you do with that rage well cuz the rage has been a huge part of my existence and i mean before i tempered any version of that rage it was kind of how I operated it was very like spiteful ragey condemning righteous um and then giving birth to a child which is the most humbling of experiences is is you then see the sea of rage in your body that you did not know was there um and yeah it's ancient rage but the saddest part is it gets put on your angel baby um so that's the most painful part about motherhood is I don't I mean there's some women I've met that I truly believe are free of that and they are just this nurturing earth I really do think I've met a few women like that and I admire them um but that has not been my experience my children and marriage has um triggered um yeah, the entire dialogue of women's history, you know. <laughs> um, so what have I done with that rage? I've expressed it very poorly. I have failed in um, not having it touch everyone around me, helpless people. Um, and the biggest thing I'm learning is I don't think it will ever go away. Um but just like my, you know, constant process with life and pain and suffering will never go away. Um, it, it, it has to be, you have to have a conversation with it independent of others um, and not have it go out of you onto other people. However, that being said, I can't deny that, you know, you know, Derek as conscientious as he is, is still subscribing to, you know, woman's work, woman's, you know, there's like, I'm I'm sure Bill too. So what we actually need from one another is what, you know, Bill is agreeing to evolve with your rage. And, and in that we're actually raising the consciousness of one another and we're pulling the men out of the paradigm that they're kind of unconsciously doing. And we're all just saying, we're going to build a new world together. And in order for us to build that world together, you have to be able to feel my rage. And luckily I've been blessed with a husband that can. Um, so it has to be in inside job, obviously. Um, and just so much forgiveness mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. as you learn to express it in healthy ways, not unhealthy ways. Cause I feel like rage comes out very unhealthy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It hurts a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, 
the last retreat I led was in Panama. I had 29 women there and I was mm. leading an active breathwork session. And towards the end of it, active breathwork basically is, uh, is a way to kind of quell the ego center and kind of bring you deeper into your body where you're in a place of non-verbally processing a lot of emotions. So a lot comes up. And in particular for women, and I will cue, give space for a scream. And usually the scream in, in different capacities, it's like everyone does a scream and yeah, or the, a sigh. And this was like, you know, earth shaking, blood curdling mm. uh, for, for minutes upon minutes upon minutes. And then it turned into sort of the permission. I don't know who yelled at first, but some woman went, fuck you. And then it was like... <laughs> laughter and yelling and screaming until it was like until people were done it was like you know a a temper tantrum until you could until the softening came and Mm -hmm. it was so magic and oh like people's voices were raw after and I was like wow I needed that and it was years and years and years of this this build up um and so for me when I can feel the rage is is happening it's like even something as simple as like stomping my feet or hitting a pillow or, you know, when I lead the teen retreats, we take them to the ocean and they get to yell and like punch the water and just have ways to, to move it through the system. Um, because when it gets caught in the body, yeah, it just explodes in, in ways that, yeah, harm, harm others. And harm yeah. The, yeah. It's really beautiful that you're creating the container for that because, you know, we're not given that. Um, we often don't know it's even there until it gets touched by, you know, pretty pivotal experiences like motherhood and being married. And, um, but, um, yeah, it's just so old. Um, and it's so painful that you do need to express it on your own time. And it needs to be expressed and it needs to be seen. But again, we see the same, the same result is that then you have to step into the self. And I think what a lot of the rage is about is, you know, if I think back to a time where I was abused by a man, you know, um, very inappropriately, what was actually happening was the rage is in myself for myself not being able to find my throat and my voice. The rage is at me. Um, it's not at them. I mean, they're doing wrong, but what I, again, we see what ends at the end of the day. We go through the rage, we kick in stream. The end of the day, it's like, are you, are you speaking? And are you speaking from a place that is very clear? Not like, you should feel me. It's feel me. This is wrong. It's, it's so grounded. Um, so that would be the test of how your rage is being, are we using the rage, not just to express it poorly, um, or whatever, are we actually using it when the times come, um, to be as clear as we can? And my answer is no, I'm not. Yeah. And I still struggle too, big time. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that. It's like, I think what was really helpful in that time was figuring out my no, you know, so much of the rage came from how much betrayal Mm -hmm. uh, I was placing upon myself and the times I wasn't able to communicate. And like you said, find your, your voice, find your throat, get it out. 
Um, and, and that whole sort of that, it was a few months, uh, this period of walking through that. And I have so much clarity now and, um, mm. the way I'm able to express with, within my own relationship, that's been a bit easier because it's a safer yeah, space. Right. It's a bit tougher out in the, the world, you know, yeah, like I, or with like, family, parents. With family. So with family, that was my big, you know, kicker this Christmas was like, you know, Derek's family is just like the antithesis of me, um, which is beautiful. Thank you for the teachers. <laughs> but, um, I couldn't find my no without the charge of like 10,000 sons in my like emotional, my body stores um, the history. So to find actually the clearest stream is the is the is the work right and like it is so easy with our husbands because we're so blessed to have these very generous beings in our lives but I, I i at one point said to Derek, i'm like you have to stand up for me and he was like what like, he's like so you're telling me i have to like not only like be having conversations with my own family but like be very aware of like maybe what you're going through and what people are saying to you because you can't find your own and i was like yeah that's a ridiculous request isn't it but I need, it's like I needed someone to do it for me. And that's what I think women, you know, the real growth for women will be regardless of all this oppression. We are, are, are refining our emotions and actually stepping into the truth and the, this firmness. Like you listen to Maya Angelou and you hear what a lifetime of just like continued effort and devotion to her truest sound actually became this impenetrable stone that you can't argue with. It's just like, wow. So that's what we're striving for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Will I yeah. get there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, but it's coming out so badly. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. where, you know, but I came home from my, you know, trying my best this Christmas to actually speak instead of let people mm. um abuse my sensitivity and make fun of me. That's been my theme, right? Uh, um, I tried to use my voice several times, but I came home and the one person in the world that I feel like can understand me more than anyone is my dad. And he just went, this is grief. This is grief. Welcome grief, lay down grief. And I was just like, wow, I haven't seen it that way. But he just took it from the narrative into grief. You know, just grieve. The grief, the pain you felt your whole life for being who you are. Mm. And the stonings, continued stonings. Mm. It's grief. And there's, um, I must befriend this grief because if I'm going to continue to prevail against all odds, I have to know how to grieve this mm. human ignorance in myself and in others it's not them it's both of us you know mm. we're in we're complicit with one another mm -hmm. i heard this beautiful line the other day if you're laughing you're in agreement and that's what i do so often with people you know oh you're so sensitive or oh god you need medication or oh god bleh, bleh. like it's awful what's happened but what do i do mm. i laugh yeah i'm in agreement so, and then the rage comes and it's old and crusted and so enormous, but it's really because I'm needing to say as calmly as I'm speaking to you now, raise the consciousness with me, please. I don't agree to be in this dialogue with you. And that is a terrifying step to take. Mm. 
I don't know why that's so terrifying, but it's like, wow, I'm just so humbled every time I leave a family gathering because I'm like, why was that so hard? And why did I ask my husband to do it for me? What is that? Yeah. What are we afraid of? Mm. Yeah, I so relate to all of that. And I, I, I feel it both in my own in-laws too. And I think mm-hmm. what feels most at stake for me is is approval or is mm-hmm. that their mm-hmm. love will be taken away if um, I don't agree. Am I good enough now? Yeah, am I good enough now? You understand me now? Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. pleading. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I have this memory when I was a little girl and it comes up all the time. It's like this really root, root yeah. trauma for me when I was, a, yeah. I was, I was four and I was in junior kindergarten in Collingwood, Ontario, and it was quiet time. And the teacher said, shh. And the little girl beside me wanted to talk to me. And I looked at her and I said, shh, it's quiet time. And then the teacher said, Alexandra, no talking. And I was like, I sobbed for the teacher's aide had to take me out walk me down the hall on her hip calm my mom had to come get me I had to leave school I was so um you know just sobbing sobbing uncontrollable and it comes up just that moment of this injustice as I was trying to get it right understood I was I wasn't understood yeah um and this sensitivity that is so alive in me and and um, and, and I see it so much in the work that I do with, with girls is, is then we try to hide it or pretend, or what do we do? We laugh we and we laugh. make someone else feel more comfortable. We put our own comfortability uh, on the line so that someone feels better. So about who's themselves. the rage at? Yeah. Yeah. It's ourselves. Of yeah. course. I betrayed myself. This but- is grief. This is grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the grief piece of it. And so I've worked that memory many times mm-hmm. um, where it is grief, just that grieving of that little misunderstood one um, and and ultimately coming to this place of grace and gratitude for for all that she can feel. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful yeah. for that. And, and there's been a lot of reclamation of her uh, over the last couple of years. And it's so silly, but even moving to the United States, I had to even layer up a few more layers of, of this. And, and so the sort of um, disarming and peeling back the layers again to the, to the sensitive one and to not only feel her, but to stand up for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to bring her into the room. Yeah. She is who I end up as. Mm. who I came in as I heard this beautiful line you're not meeting me when you meet me you're meeting my bodyguard Mm. (laughs) and I'm like but for me to show up who I am I have to stop laughing Mm -hmm. I have to stop being complicit Mm -hmm. I have to stop living to please and be good and it's not that you don't become good, but you, you, you we're afraid of our power. We're so afraid of our power. And we're afraid of saying it for fear of losing the pack. My girlfriend was going through something. I'm like, you just feel you're just getting kicked out of the pack. It's like just animal <laughs> instinct. But you're gonna be good. You're good. You're good. It's not like, you know, but that's the feeling we're feeling. Um, so there's like so much, and that's what Derek's really been good at me showing me. He's like, there's instinct. Because yeah. I'm like, I am so afraid to die. Like, I've been really dealing with death as I turn 40. I'm like, I am terrified. Can you believe we're just walking around? Nobody's really talking about this. But one day I say goodbye to everyone. Like, are you kidding? Like, and I also have to watch my body fail. Like, that sucks. And I've been terrified and like, 
my husband's just like, because I'm like, I'll get rid of this fear. I'm going to look at it so hard that I won't feel the fear. That's always been my motto, right? And he's like, there's an instinct in your body that will always be there. And that is to survive and live. Yeah. So make friends with these polarities. They're not going anywhere. And it was such a revelation for me to be like, right. Like twin streams are going alongside one another. Like I have God in my fear of death. I have nature and the forest and whatever that's speaking to me in my falling apart. But I'm not going to get rid of this part of me. I'm not going to get rid of the child who wants to belong. I'm not going to get rid of my, 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 my child heart's longing to just connect in love and be in union with love. I'm not going to get rid of her. She's always going to be there and she's always going to be juxtaposed seemingly to the world. So really the mastery of it all is like two streams, two streams Mm. are beside each other. And I am, I have one foot in both and I'm never going to get out of this story. This is it. So, Mm. you know, when I had pain, I had chronic pain when my body, I have a lot of chronic pain, but that's always my body being like, hey, stay here. I'm like, did you have to be such a fierce teacher? But Mm. it helps me stay here. Um, And when I had the chronic pain, I just remember every day was my practice was around getting rid of it. Yeah. With the intention of getting rid of this thing. And then one day it said, imagine this was here for every day of the rest of your life how do you treat it now? It's not going anywhere. How do you treat it? And I was like, fuck you. This better go somewhere. Like, but then it was like, okay. The secret was if I can show up, it shows up and I can treat it kindly and with love, then I won. Yeah. But yeah, I am speaking a lot of things that I don't know yet in Mm. a um, embodied way. Mm. I understand it conceptually, but Mm -hmm. these are the big pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rumi says the cure to the pain is the pain. Yeah. And I think about that, especially when it comes to anything physical. Like if I get sick, I'm like, I know all these things. And then I get a head cold and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's devastating. And um, yeah, that's the real work is to stay inside and stay in the body. Oh God. Just stay crawl out. <laughs> God, the body is so, the body for me has been like just this, the reason I'm so afraid of it is because it's at like a level hundred of everything that goes on for me. So to confront the body is like, and I was teaching the other day people to focus on their heart breathing and people were like, I can't, I'm having heart palpitations. I'm freaking out. And I was like, see how scared we are. So, and I understand that. I really do. My body is, is the truth teller. It's the tuning fork and it like contains the multitudes of me. And it's terrifying to encounter her sometimes, especially when she's in distress, but like, where the hell am I going? Like, it's the only home I have. Like I have to be here in this. So, but yeah, so that's my, that's my real edge this year is I've been invited to do some pretty big things and I'm choosing things that I would like to do. But I know that as I, follow my soul I know I'm going to meet all of these parts now and she's just going to be on fire but I'm gonna have to walk with her and find ways to walk with her and ever new ways to include her in this experience Mm. it's just really not easy work and I bow to everyone trying to see their multitudes and 
Well, to grieve. Yeah, I can't wait to 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 witness and see. Maybe I'll see you in real life. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Oh um, God, we'll be like little hermits, like with like invisibility cloaks. <laughs> I wish. I know. If I could just, we can only yeah. show up sometimes when we're fully resourced. <laughs> but you have a lot to teach me about being with people. Mm. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I love being with people. I really, yeah. I really do. It you reminds me. So it. Yeah. 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 You're so good at it too, but I know it, it's one part, it, one part good, one yeah. part not, but yeah. the real insecurity for me is, and I wonder how you feel about this is like, how do you show up trusting your worth yourself? You know, yeah. like that's what comes up for me is like, if I show up to 30 women and, or a company that brings me somewhere, like, how do I know I'm and how did you even begin to trust Mm. it's interesting my teacher said something to me this this some or the in the fall when I came back from Panama and I was did not give myself enough rest and I sort of hit Mm. the ground running with a bunch of things and I go 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 yeah I was like "Ah." and you're like <laughs> and I and I called her and I was like, oh no, I just am sad and it's a lot and I don't know if I can do this and da, da, da. and she was like, if you want to be a teacher, you go first. And if you cannot find the love and grace for yourself and take care of yourself, give all those women their money back. Because mm, whoa. Yeah, I was like <laughs> they're like rap, rap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was like, if every if everything you, you go email them right now and say, oh hey, um, you know, so much fun that we had together, but I actually uh, am self loathing and hating myself currently, mm-hmm. and can't slow down enough to resource myself and give myself the love that I so desperately need. Um, you know, I'm a fraud. She's like, send send that email. <laughs> like she's joking, but there's yeah, a truth in it, it. Of oh. like, you know, be be it. And it it's the, I love giving my heart away. I'm like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And the hardest work for me is, is to bring it back to myself. But she's like, if this is what you want for these women, and I do, it's urgent. I urgently mm. want women to love themselves. I urgently want that. And I need to want it at the same rate. I give it. I, and I, that yeah, is, a, it's a new paradigm shift for me. I mean, I've always understood it intellectually. Um, you put your gas or your not your gas yeah, mask. What was it called? Not, not the gas mask. First, yeah. <laughs> whatever. We all know the fill your gas tank. Whatever. Um, first, but to really embody it and really care for myself uh, as exquisitely as I care for others continues to be that. But she needed to put it in words that slapped me in the face to really mm. understand it. She was like, "Go tell those women you're a fraud." I was like. No, I don't want that. I want yeah, to. Oh, it, snaps yeah. you, it snaps you out of the thing too yeah. that you're going. Eh, 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 yeah, like, I'm running all these dumb more. stories, and I've always yeah, been like so this. Shame, shame, shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. like, shut the fuck up, That's and just great. go to sleep. Go to go to yeah. sleep. Like it's not so hard. It's like I'm often yeah. like a child having a tantrum. Yeah. It's like I'm hungry, and I need all the stimuli. I need no noise, and just to go to sleep. It's yeah, really I simple. I need a hot oh, bath. Yeah. Well, I remember David White um, talking about that because he's, I, do you know David White? He's yeah, an incredible poet, but okay. So I mean, he, do you know him personally? <laughs> no, but I'm going to meet him. <gasps> I knew it. Oh my God. I'm oh meeting him in a few weeks. Okay. So, um, but he talks about when he first started treating, doing retreats and he says at the end of the retreat, I would 
lock the door and go into complete darkness for seven days. And I was like, oh, you too. But he's like, now he's 70 now. And he's like, now I leave my retreats more full than when I started. So I'm like, okay. So there's hope the for us. Well, and it's just the process. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's finding because all that stuff, Ali Maz crashing, Sarah, Sarah crashing is like, those are just like old things that were like, no, no, no. And like, and then we'll find it. We'll find it. We'll find it. And she'll, she won't be there anymore. Yeah. Wow. Totally. I know that that's sort of this metamorphosis that's, that's coming yeah. for me where I, um, yeah, I don't do the big crash, but part of that is believing myself. I think yeah. the crash comes from that. It, it's done. The party's over and I go, I well, was that enough? And was that, right. that's the voice that then creates the crash when I second guess it versus walking out of there in full resolution of, of I did oh, the God. thing I was in service. I think that's part of where the, the crash happens yeah. for me. Yeah. I don't trust myself yet, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, only way is through that's true okay now we're like well over the time I said that I would I was gonna keep you but I I wanted to ask one last question and it's a question that I ask all of my guests and um it is the ineffable and the you know the hardest thing to describe but I I want to hear you Mm. you your own interpretation of God yeah or divine or source or however you call it so just to preface my relationship with God, I was raised really religious uh, or in a religious household. They weren't like heavy handed, like evangelists or anything like that. Um, but the notion of God was always in my life. I went to Catholic school. I, and then at age 16, my parents gave me the choice. Do you want to go to church anymore? And I said, no, this has never made sense to me. It's never resonated. And from 16 onward, I couldn't use the word God. I couldn't find the way to say the word. I just couldn't. I was like, no, I won't be using that word ever. And um, as I've hit this age, I want to say God all the time. But it's because I have developed a relationship with the God of my own understanding. You know, I have figured out what God means to me without the church, without indoctrination, without anybody else's opinion. Um, And it is totally ineffable and it's really hard to name. Um, But for me, it's, I did not give myself life. I can't choose breath. I can't choose heart. I'm here for no other reason than something has been given to me second by second, breath by breath, heartbeat by heartbeat. And I realize that the closer that I can live to those those parts of myself (sighs) the more I feel a very conscious presence of um, love is just not even compared to what I feel it's like such a small world word but it is um, I'm I'm not alone in this and I'm not abandoned in this, and nor could I ever be. And when I've encountered, you know, my biggest edges, like I've I've been peeling back the layers of like, what is my fear of death? Because I'm not really afraid of dying. But when I peel back and back and back and I go to the very bottom of it, it's that I die and nothing's there. Hmm. And that I'm actually alone in this. And that I have been abandoned. And that all these stories and all these stories and spiritual work that I'm doing is just 
to buffer and protect me from that truth that I'm actually alone in this. And that's my fear in meeting death is that this whole life has been a lie to make me feel safe here. But what I've found when I've really gone into that aloneness and that abandonment, I'm like, I am the only one here. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, it's me. Mm -hmm. I'm God. I'm God watching God, holding God, being God. And I am who I'm going to meet in the end. Nothing else. And, and can that be enough? Am I enough? So God is us and God is me and finding a way to see that that is enough. Even on your last breath, that you are the only one you meet. Mm-hmm. It's a very tender thing for me because I think that's what God actually is. It's me, it's mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And that's who we meet in the end, not someone else. And that's been the biggest thing for me is every time I'm feeling alone in this, it's like, whoa, me. Mm. That's my understanding of God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to say words after that. So, <laughs> so goodbye. <laughs> um, okay. uh, so good talking to you. Yeah. That's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Thank you for um, articulating uh, the ineffable and bringing um, this heart language to uh, me selfishly yeah. as your friend. It's just so, yeah. such a medicine, but, but to the world because it's, um, it's making a huge dent and an impact. And at the end of the day, it is just you and you. That's all me we got. Me, talking to me. <laughs> how <laughs> close can you live to you? And how true yeah. can you live to yeah. that you? Yeah. Yeah. That's all there is. Nothing. Yeah, nothing else. I go to every stage and it doesn't matter. Yeah, and we can try so hard and and look in every other direction. (laughs) Just think that that's the track. It's not the track. That's why I kind of, you know, reduce my engagement with that track. But we'll see what I'm next time we talk. Who will we be? I don't know. Well, I love who we are now and I loved who we were back then. And it's just so beautiful. It's It's so beautiful to witness uh, uh, you on this, this journey. And it's a reflection for me. It's really cool. And I think once we log off, it'll continue to sort of do its work on me about how profound Mm -hmm. um, my love for you is and how grateful (laughs) I am for you to have um, shown me the way in so many ways. You too, my brave, fearless leader. Mm. Thank you for everything, Alex. Thank you, Sarah. I love you. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> Allie Mad Show. Mm.